This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hi, I'm Anif Baharuddin and this is Gigi Well Played, BFM's video game show. We will be rounding up some of the biggest news and releases from the month of September with Jonathan Leo from kakuchopore.com. Let's start with the news and there's one big story that happened recently which involves Rockstar and Grand Theft Auto 6. So let's start with that. Uh, there is not much to tell. Okay, well, of course there is. Though Grand Theft Auto 6 itself was leaked from Rockstar's backend and you you think that the company like Rockstar would actually be very very secure with its you know assets and heavily guarded secrets you know especially at Red Dead Redemption 2 and previously Grand Theft Auto 5 back in 2012 13 wow it's been like 10 years holy wow okay yeah so yes part 6 a lot of the assets and a bunch of gameplay alpha I mean it's not even alpha this is like a test build you know like before the graphics actually come in they actually had to show how the game actually plays out the, that kind of prototype test build that has been leaked apparently by a UK based 17 year old kid hacker who was also involved with the recent Uber leak that happened a couple of weeks ago so yeah the kid is now being under custody and is being investigated by the FBI and the city of London police so this is an ongoing thing But it does set a precedent that Rockstar really needs to up their game in terms of cybersecurity. However, Rockstar Games itself mentioned that despite the leaks happening, I mean, they're obviously disappointed and mad, they are still on schedule to announce the game when it's ready. And there are no delays to the game's progress and uh, development. So whatever PR marketing plans they have, it's still on, on tap, lah, more or less. So it's it's a sad piece of news. It's and then there's actually and the funny thing about this leak is after that happened, a lot of fans of GTA started complaining about how the game looks, even though it's clearly obvious that that's not the final build. It's not even like the I don't think there's even like past a, a particular milestone for the build. And a lot of developers stood up in arms to you know support Rockstar by saying, "Here's how our game looked like before it came out, and it showed like prototypes of Horizon Zero Dawn, sorry, Forbidden West, and a couple of other games like even Call of the Lamb in prototype shape and and form." Yeah, that's that's good to hear. Um, I think developers standing up for each other because yeah, gamers these days can just randomly react. But having said that, I've seen quote unquote the leak and. I was actually quite impressed by whatever that I saw in terms of in terms of how the gameplay looks. I mean, it looks markedly like a GTA game, despite looking that way, lah. If you know what I mean. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm actually happy that they confirm a couple of things. Like they're gonna have like multi-faceted protagonists because the last game was actually strictly male, which is fine and all. But it's nice to have like a bit of like diversity here and there, lah. So it's pretty cool, and it's actually going back to Vice City. I believe twenty, thirty years later, after you know GTA Vice City back then, so it's nice to revisit a place that we've known back in the day, but you know in two thousand twenty-three or twenty-four or twenty-five form, and of course, I think the other big question is whether progress in GTA Online will transfer to Part Six's online mode. <laughs> whether they're going to transfer or you have to start a new character or maybe some bonuses might actually transfer back because you know like a lot of people who worked really hard played really hard in GTA Online they're going to feel very sad and disappointed that they cannot carry over some level of progress in the new online version of GTA 6 right don't you think? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, they'll probably be working on that. Or I wouldn't be surprised if they do decide to let players start fresh again. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe some bonuses like, oh, you only can get this GTA Six bonus if you played GTA Online for like at least a year or two <laughs> years. Because uh, yeah. the the online portion has been online since. 2014, mm. I want to say. It's, yeah. it's, it's been there for a while, a very long mm. while. Yeah. And still very popular, yes. Yeah. I know you mentioned um, Rockstar having to uh, work on their security issues, but do you think that this is in one way or another a good publicity for them? I mean, not that I, I wanted it to happen, but yeah, do you think that this is, you know, one way or another, at least, because at least we get to see, you know, some form of, you know, like the game is actually real, you know, that is currently being made. Uh, based on what I've seen on the video, it's definitely a leak. It's a, it's a breach. It's hundred. It seems like a breach more than a ploy. But Rockstar are smart. I mean, if accidents like this happen, they probably have damage control plans. They've been doing this for, I don't know, since when Lemmings was, was made back in the 90s, you know, when they were called the Emmy Designs. So they know what they're doing. They know what to do if such issues happen. So... They're playing it cool. I mean, it's a good way. It's a good way for them to actually acknowledge that a leak happened, and and it's a good way for them to acknowledge that yes, we're still on track to release a game, regardless, or you know, have your PR plans or whatnot still in motion despite a pretty big cyber breach. Mm, yeah. Shall we talk about the other cyber breach that happened? Yes, we should. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So Diablo Four has its uh, content leak too, but unlike GTA Six's leak. This 45-minute leak is actually... It's from an alpha build, apparently. And you can tell from the water, many watermarks that are on the playtest itself. It, it, it's basically a complete game, more or less. So it's a very dumb move from whoever leaked it because you're going to get a lot of people in trouble. And plus, this is actually a private build which you have obviously signed an NDA for. And also, this is like a case against having people stream like alpha games on Discord because there are going to be like people on your Discord channel who will who are going to record your screen 100%. So you cannot trust these kind of people anyway, right? So mm. it's the, 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 the onus on whoever was watermarked onto the footage itself. But having said that, the game looks very polished and I'm, I mean, yes, it's a leak, yes, but it's very complete. It's like, it feels more than like what it was in Diablo 3 and other action RPGs where, you know, instead of having like different levels, we have like, ascended planes and levels within a level when you're doing your action RPG, killing the monsters and whatnot. I mean, that is already set in stone, the fact that you're killing monsters for loot. That feels really good. And from what I've seen from the leak, despite all the watermarks, it still looks really good. And I think Blizzard has a really great product on their hand when, you know, when they're ready to talk about it and release it. And speaking of playtesting, Diablo 4, the Blizzard people are, have already announced a closed beta that's focused purely on the end game which is kind of unique. I mean, there are four modes they're going to have people playing. Uh, Helltide, Nightmare Dungeons, Whispers of the Dead, and Fields of Hatred, with the last one being a PvP-centric kind of multiplayer. Now, the catch is, people who actually get to be in this closed beta are the ones who've invested a lot of time in their battle net, particularly in Diablo 2 Resurrected and Diablo 3. So if you haven't played these games for the past two, three years, you're not going to get into this closed beta. Lah. Let's just say that. Mm. I guess one way or another you have to somehow at, at least give loyal gamers right loyal customers uh, yeah loyal know, customers loyal uh, content creators and people who actually have been around for Diablo 3 since the first season 
back in 2014. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good move, I suppose. And plus, yeah, with beta testing, it's always good to get feedback early on as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I think because they want to actually make Diablo 4's endgame better than Diablo 3. And Diablo 3 has been around for 10 years. So <laughs> that's basically really big shoes to fill. And with the new team that's running Diablo 4, that's, you know, it's quite a bit of pressure. Lah. So it's good that they're taking steps with this. Although it's a bit strange to, you know, to have an invite for a closed beta to check out the game's post-ending when you when the game isn't even out yet. You know, <laughs> it, it sounds really weird when you hear it, but mm. it makes sense when you're really into it, when you play it and when you check it out and you yeah. see the reasoning behind it. It makes more sense that way. Lah. Correct, yeah. And plus, these days, it's all about the end-game content, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Diablo 3 itself, the main story mode is not much worth talking about. It's just that everyone just wants to get through that hurdle. And then after a couple of years when the game was, the, when the game second DLC was out for Diablo 3, you actually get to skip straight to adventure mode, which is the mode where you basically level up and you get all the end game content. Mm, okay, uh, moving on. Um, apart from TGS, there's also Ubisoft Forward. I think um, middle of this month, right? Uh, yeah, and a lot of uh, games were revealed, including, of course, their favorite franchise, uh, Assassin's Creed, right? Yeah, yeah, that was that was the big reveal for that Ubisoft Forward presentation. Apart from you know Skull and Bones and that Rayman and Mario uh, RTS XCOM game, they also talked about Assassin's Creed Mirage, which is. A back to basics action adventure stealth game featuring AC Valhalla character Basim and his um, rise from a street thug to a hidden one assassin. It's set in Baghdad. The game itself is going to have a pretty big map with different sections, you know, to highlight different levels and factions and sections and whatnot. And yeah, there's not there's no action RPG nonsense in this one. It's going to be pure stealth hiding killing your objective, you know, one-hit killing. It's like what Assassin's Creed 1 and 2 were back in the day, except for in a new, particularly new game. And another highlight is basically the voice of Batson's mentor, Roshan, who is being played by Shore Agdashlu, if I pronounce her name correct. She's renowned for being one of the main characters in the hit sci-fi show, The Expanse, the Iranian actress. I think you've heard her before, right? Not, not really, but yeah, <laughs> sorry. She's got a very distinct voice, so when you hear it, you'll be like, oh, okay, this is that character from The Expanse. So. Ah, okay. And a couple more games include Assassin's Creed Codename Jade, which is a free-to-play Assassin's Creed game set in China, tailor-made for mobile phones. I think this is just Ubisoft's way of capitalizing on action RPGs like Genshin Impact. I think lah. And then you've got Assassin's Creed Codename Red, which is an action RPG AC game set in feudal Japan and ninjas and samurais. So this is their very long response to Ghost of Tsushima, which came out two years ago. So make of that what you will. Yeah, but people have been clamoring for an Assassin's Creed set in Japan, right? And they Yeah, back in 2013, <laughs> okay? So it's a bit sad that it took so long to respond to this. I mean, they, they should have done this Right after the pirate game, uh, Black Flag, which was 2014. But yeah, they had to wait for so long like for Ghost of Tsushima to come out and get acclaim. And then you have like other studios like... Um, oh yeah, Sega has the Yakuza game that's set in Japan. Edo Japan, the Edo period. And you also got Rise of the Ronin from Team Ninja. So it's a bit strange why, they're, why Ubisoft are so late in the game. Especially when they have... Assassin's Creed 1 and 2 as a template to follow from that, you know? 
And then we've also got another interesting project, Assassin's Creed Project Hex, which is, I think, is going to focus more on the witch hunts of 16th century Germany. There's nothing that we know about the game. That's it. It's just, you know, the setting and how the title looks like. So could mm. be interesting, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and there's also Assassin's Creed Infinity, which is not really a game, but... It's like a concept. It's, it's like a... <laughs> yeah, concept will be all the platforms of sorts, right? It's like a platform that connects all your... um, I forgot what the Animus Chamber characters <laughs> to be in all these upcoming games, including Mirage. I even I don't think even Ubisoft knows what they're make, what 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 they're doing with, <laughs> with Infinity. It's like so when I see the presentation, it's like very very vague. Yes, you're connecting all these three upcoming games with Infinity, so it's like you somehow connect. It's like a Halo Waypoint, except as a platform, so that you can play any of the Assassin's Creed games on any platform under this hub, which is very strange considering that you only need to play one Assassin's Creed game to understand how all the Assassin's Creed game works, you know? Like, they're not the most variety-filled games I know. Like, Assassin's Creed 1 and 2 and Brotherhood are what Syndicate, Black Flag, and all the other sequels are. And Assassin's Creed Origins is what Odyssey and Valhalla are, except expanded. So you've got so much repetition going on. It's it's a strange idea, honestly, if I'm, if I'm being honest. Yeah, and the fact that we have a lot of uh, announcements for uh, Assassin's Creed is also pretty interesting considering that I think you can see um, very clearly that, that Ubisoft is still banking on this franchise to continue and to, I guess, to profit from, right? One way or another? Uh, to profit from, yes, but also it shows that they're kind of running out of ideas, especially <laughs> with Codename Red, where they basically just smashed the, oh, let's set it in Japan button, which they had on standby since 2012-2010. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I like to see these games come into action, but I I won't be surprised if anyone's burnt out by Assassin's Creed already. Everyone's all moved on, you know, to action games or action-adventure games without the AC stamp, you know? <laughs> yeah, but it seems that they are continuing with the franchise. There's also even a, a Netflix show being announced as well, right? On top of all the games. Uh, yes, there is. There's not much news about it. I don't think there was even a trailer. I mean, there was even a Netflix To Doom event that happened during the weekend at this point of recording, but nothing I know as of yet. Hmm. All right. Um, but no announcements on um, other franchises that they have, right? Uh, no new Far Cry. Uh, uh, no, it's just yeah. all Assassin's Creed celebration all the way, which uh, is okay. Lah, it's it's fine that they have a nice, a back to basics kind of like uh, action game coming in, but the fact that the trailer itself is just CGI and not much gameplay goes to show that yeah, I think they're gonna drip feed us. It's gonna be, I don't know. It's still up in the air. I want to see actually actual gameplay for me to be convinced that yes, I will pay money for this game. Like it's kind of brazen of them to actually have a collector's edition and then a trailer without actual gameplay being shown. <laughs> right. uh, we can also talk about um, more news at this point in time. We have EA Motive. They've announced that they're making a new Marvel game using the Iron Man license. The Nothing much is known except that it's being led by people who used to work on last year's Marvel's Gardens of the Galaxy. Guardians, not Gardens. Guardians of the Galaxy. So there is a bit of promise because EA Motive, they have done Star Wars Squadron, which was a fun game. Of, you know, about you know, flying a X-Wing or a TIE fighter. And then you have the upcoming Dead Space remake, which looks pretty solid so far. So there is promise that 
having this team make a third-person action game, which is hopefully, you know, a sandbox kind of title, would actually work. In fact, why not they just take whatever they created out of that garbage game, uh, Anthem, and then they use it in the Iron Man game because the flying itself was kind of fun, but that's the only good thing I can say about Anthem, right? Yeah. In fact, I think a lot of people when Anthem was released were alluding to the fact that, oh yeah, the flying mechanism can can be used for an Iron Man game or something, right? Yeah. They, EA Motive, they might as well just take that and then they just build a better game out of it. A better single-player game out of it. Mm. But, but we expect this to be more like um, Batman, the Batman Arkham series rather than the, I guess, the Avengers game, right? In terms of, uh, it's going to be a single-player game. It's going to be more narrative-driven, right? Yeah, that's a pretty low bar to set because anything can be better than the Avengers game, right? But in terms of like our Batman Arkham style games, the thing is Sega has sort of toyed with this idea when they did the Captain America game a long time ago. So it's not far out because Iron Man itself, the the, the suit, the way he fights, he's got lasers. The suit is pretty fast. He can fly mm. around really well. So acrobatic style combat, it's not really out of the question. It has to be animated and played out in a different way. But I suspect if they just use the Anthem method of combat, but, you know, make a better game out of it with a better story and, you know, maybe not get Robert Downey Jr., just get someone who's cheaper to, you know, <laughs> play the character well and use one of the story, arc, the really more interesting story arcs in the game, in the comics, that, that could work out really well. It's like, they have a, EA itself has like all this, you know, templates to work on. It's just that EA Motive just has to be creative and make it more for the fans and more promising and more captivating. That's the word. More like a game, less like a service. Like what <laughs> EA is doing, basically. Mm, fantastic. Okay, moving on. Let's see. We also... I'm not sure if you've played this um, action game. It's called Hollow Cure. It's a vampire survivor's knockoff, except you use Hollow Life characters from, you know, VTuber characters as you know, top-down 2D characters fighting against hordes of enemies. It's a top-down action game. Your attacks are automatic. You just have to level up the character before the timer hits. Otherwise, you get over over swarm of enemies and you die. So yeah, the update is out. Uh, 0.4, if I recall. Came out during the middle of September. It introduced a, a bunch of new characters, a whole life talent, including Tokino Sora and Sakura Miku. Sorry, Sakura Miko, each with their own unique auto-attacks. And the game also adds in new stages and new items. I should also remind everyone on who's listening that the game is free right now on PC. You can download it for free. It's called Hollow Cure. If you like a really fun time waster of a game, like 50 minutes, you should check it out. Hmm. Alright, and from, from one game to uh, another game that has been in troubled times but it's now slowly improving I suppose Cyberpunk uh, what's, what's the news there? Oh yes um, so for those who don't know uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners which is a I guess you could say it's like a prequel to Cyberpunk's 2077 story in a way it's an anime series 10 episode anime M-rated series that's our Netflix right now the show comes highly recommended it's about this kid named David Martinez who makes his way to the top to become an edge runner, which is a very dangerous profession involving murdering, killing, and corporate espionage and combat in the cyberpunk universe in Night City. It's a great example of a show with that punk attitude. It's got stylized visuals and awesome animation, a great story, great effective storytelling and character building, and highlights the best part of the game itself, which is the world and the story and the lore. It's also effective marketing for the base game, Cyberpunk 2077, because 
at this point in time right now on September, the game now has 1 million players playing per day according to CD Projekt. <laughs> and the PC version alone averages to a concurrent player count of 22 plus thousand players in the last 30 days. And it's I think the peak is now close to 9, no, sorry, it's close to 100k right now and it's still climbing up. So yeah, concurrent players like every day on average, it's like 100k which is pretty impressive considering the game has been out for a couple of years. So it's like a really huge resurgence because of this anime series and the upcoming updates for the game, which included the Edge Runners pack, which has David Martinez's jacket and one of the character's guns, as well as, a, as one side mission. And I believe there's also an expansion coming out. I think it's either this year or early next year, where it's like, a, I think it's going to be full-fledged, like a couple of hours worth of gameplay with the trailer and everything so it's a quite a resurgence basically which is good also partly in help by studio triggers work la. Mm, yeah um, i mean as a as a i mean i'm gonna say it as a fan of the game i i'm i am happy to see cyberpunk i guess finally receiving the i guess attention <laughs> that it deserves in a right way not, not in the bad way kind of thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, did you get to watch the anime series because i think you'll love it yeah mm, yeah i haven't but i'm definitely gonna give it a try soon yeah oh yeah it's really good stuff uh, m rated of course so you know there's a, a viewer discretion is advice of course and if you guys and if anyone here listens like studio triggers work like with gurren lagan and little witch academia cyberpunk edge runners is like the mature i won't say grounded but mature level-headed version of that sort but with its own action-packed bits here and there so if you love studio triggers animation you will definitely love what cyberpunk edge runners have to offer and speaking of anime adaptations we also have near automata version 1.1a i believe it's called so the anime series i don't know how many episodes it is but it's coming out in january 2023 it was announced in a recent anime expo live stream that happened uh, sorry an aniplex live stream event that happened a couple of days ago yoko taro will be involved since he's the game director and the animation director is ryoji masuyama who is under a1 pictures he's been involved in a couple of big projects like darling in the franks also from studio trigger and yoko taro himself said that the anime series will have some story changes hence the 1.1a subtitles so it's probably gonna i mean it looks good i mean it's a teaser which recreates some of the scenes from the game but that's it little is known except for you know some story changes and some high tier animation quality expected so it'll be interesting to see when it com- when it comes out early january Mm, yeah um but i mean they definitely took their time to actually create this huh? considering that the game has been out for quite a few years already um yes yes i believe it's just a passion project from yoko taro and square enix's side the game's story has been out for quite a while so what better way to market the game again than with a adaptation anime adaptation years later mm, it's a better yeah. move than you know releasing a game and then having an anime adaptation on the same day itself of the game <laughs> this this, yeah. this makes this, this uh, near automata strategy works much better. Like wait a couple of years and then fan clamoring for it and then you just go for it. That was Jonathan Leo from Kakuchopore.com looking back at some of the biggest news in the gaming world this month. We're going to make way for some messages. After this, September releases including Disney Dreamlight Valley, Splatoon 3 and a weird game called Trombone Champ. Stay tuned, this is GG Well Played on BFM 89.9.
BFM 89.9 you listening to Gigi Well Played I'm your host Hanif Baharudin. Jonathan Leo content director at kakuchopore.com joins me this month for our monthly roundup of news and games. We have quite a few notable releases so let's hear what John has to say about them. Uh, quite a lot actually. <laughs> I have to cherry pick quite a few. I mean there were a lot that came out so let's just uh, drive by it. We've got Disney Dreamlight Valley which is in early access. It's a PC and Xbox game. There once was a dream world in which familiar friends from the most heroic to the most villainous lived together in harmony. However, as time passed, the forgetting set in and the world fell into darkness until you arrived. You have the power to make it special again. It's a life simulation title featuring Disney characters. You play a new character who has to play gardener and caretaker of a village homestead that's being afflicted by the forgetting with a bunch of like these uh, evil thorns coming up. You have to clean them out by using magic. And then as you build your homestead, you get Disney characters joining your village from Moana to characters from Frozen, Little Mermaid and even Pixar's Ratatouille. You also have Goofy and Donald you know, and Mickey coming in as well and hanging around. And you also get to fish, you get to, you know, garden and do a lot of things, farm and cook and whatnot. So imagine Animal Crossing, but for PC and with Disney characters and with that Disney Infinity art style. Looks very polished and apparently uh, has a very overwhelmingly positive review on Steam. <laughs> yeah, people really like having a, a uh, village with Disney characters running around. I think some of the only negative things is... You know, when you do actually do fishing, you actually have a one of the characters, either Goofy or Mickey, coming in to stare at you fishing, which is, I mean, as a, someone who actually fishes, it's very anxiety-inducing. <laughs> but apart from that, the game is actually really fun and relaxing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really have no big nitpicks. I mean, the game, the game love itself did say, that the, the developers did say that it's a early access game. So, so far, no crazy bugs. I've, I haven't come across any crazy bugs as of yet. But yeah, the game is being slowly updated. I believe there is a Toy Story and a Lion King update happening in a couple of months. I believe it's before the end of the year. So if you pay for the game now, I think it might be a free-to-play game when it comes out for real. But for now, if you pay for the game, yeah, you'll be getting all this extra content with your homestead. And you know, you can actually get all these special Disney and Pixar items you can use to decorate the house and the village. If, if you're a huge fan of Disney, yeah, this is definitely something to get. Yep. And next up, we've got Metal Hellsinger, which is a first-person arena shooter that incorporates metal music and rhythm game mechanics. So as you're killing enemies with your shotgun, you actually have to fire your bullets and your blasts to the beat of the music that's playing. If you miss time your shots, you don't do as much damage. So you basically fight slew and hordes of enemies while maintaining your beat combo, so you deal a lot more damage and, you know, make your life easier. And you also get a great soundtrack playing from... Music, new music made by bands from Arch Enemy, Trivium, and Lamb of God, as well as the lead singer from System of the Down, you know, contributing. So, great music, great art style. You've got like eight levels, but they're replayable as all heck, and you know, all set in like different stages of hell. You've got really nice weapons, you know, you've got your shotgun, you've got your rocket launcher, crossbow, you've got like these boomerang blades that, you know, they don't use ammo, but there's a certain particular timing you need to actually fire them and then getting them back like a boomerang so it's a really good game that's you know worth replaying a lot just to get a high score so 
Yeah, there's really not much to say. I mean, unless you really hate fast-paced shooters because some people are more into the whole Call of Duty and Valorant side of, you know, slow-paced, methodical shooting. I'm more of a fast-paced action shooter kind of guy with the arena shooters and Overwatch. So people who like those games, they'll really jump on board with Metal Hellsinger. It's really fun and very, very, very replayable. Yep, yep. And i definitely going to give this game a try because I'm a metal hit. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Please do, please do. You'll love the music especially. And... I believe it's Troy Baker and Jennifer Hale who are doing the voiceover for like the story. Like before a stage starts, there'll be some narration from Troy Baker in his um, cowboy voice, you know, like in Overwatch. And uh-huh. then you also have Jennifer Hale who plays the judge, who is the main antagonist. She's always the boss in every different stage you're at. So it's interesting to play. I mean, at least hear and play and, you know, enjoy and replay. Okay, looking forward to it. We can also talk about another shooter that came out, Splatoon 3 for Nintendo Switch. It's I played a lot of it, mostly the single player more than the PvP. If you loved Splatoon 1 and 2, you will love Splatoon 3 because the mechanics and gameplay are more refined than usual. This is a game that actually tweaks its stages and updates that people have been demanding. Like, For example, you can skip straight to the lobby instead of listening to the colour commentary from the announcers. You also have a lobby that's also a training room so you get to practice the different weapons and shoot the targets and move around while you're waiting to get matched up in PvP. And then you can play the PvE Summon Rush to play versus enemy Summon Rush mode which is own which has its own new mechanics And because last time it was actually more of like a timed event. This time you can play it anytime you want as long as you have friends to play with. And the single player mode while it's more of side content it's still really fun. I had fun just exploring the hub world itself which is you gotta actually collect a bunch of salmon eggs to actually unlock different sections of the level, which means you can also spend a good amount to skip through certain levels and just go straight to the end bosses. So, which is, you know, you get to play your own way. And plus the levels, so they're kind of fun. I mean, there are some stinker levels, but it's more or less like a tutorial for the PvP, which is really fun in that sense. My only issue with Splatoon 3 is basically the Nintendo Switch Online service, which really needs fixing. I've played a bit of games. I've got disconnected quite a bit, even though I'm connected on like a LAN cable and, you know, made sure my NAT port is actually at the highest tier. It's a P2... I think it's a peer-to-peer system, which is why it's also reliant on other players' connection. And, you know, the fact that you're paying right now for Nintendo Switch's online service and you get this kind of, like terrible disconnection it's very inexcusable on Nintendo's art (laughs) but apart from that the game is great I would highly recommend Splatoon 3 especially for the controls because people don't know how good a controller and gyroscope combination is for a first person shooter or a third person shooter you know when you're moving your controller and your thumbstick and then you have to aim precisely with the gyro gyroscope thing it actually works works really well and I really wish other companies and shooter creators like Activision and, you know, the Call of Duty franchise would have a control scheme for, you know, gyroscope and controller mix because Splatoon 3 shows that it can be done really well. Mm, Okay, fantastic. And we've got other titles like, oh, we've got a couple of action titles. We've got Steel Rising, which is a Dark Souls-like action RPG. You play an automaton who has to help out rebels in an alternative Universe French Revolution, where King Louis XVI controls a bunch of bloodthirsty robots. So essentially, your boss is Marie Antoinette. 
You fight with melee and guns. It's pretty fun for a Dark Souls, Bloodborne style kind of game with the dodging and the fighting and the bosses. The graphics could use a bit more fine-tuning and some of the levels look a bit more samey and repetitive. And it's kind of less unique as you progress later in the game. However, the boss fights are really fun. And if you feel that the game is way too tough, the developers have actually put in an easy mode that lets you alter different parameters like, you know, have enemies deal like 10% damage than usual or have your stamina run out less, you know, have more stamina than usual and, you know, make the game easier for you to play. So you might actually reach the end of the game if you are frustrated with Steel Rising's challenge. <laughs> that's, that's something that I think a lot of you know, non-hardcore gamers would want to have on other Souls-like games as well, actually. Well, actually, the trade-off is that all achievements are locked if you turn on accessibility mode. So it's a very fair way of handling ah. things. In mm. fact, I think Elden Ring could actually benefit with this. Like, if let's just say people are frustrated with the game, they can turn on easy mode to get to the ending. But of course, you don't get to unlock achievements. That's it. It's a really good compromise. Like, if you really want to play the game for real with the achievements, you got to play it. It is default state. Yep, yep, I agree. Yeah. And you've also got another action game coming out that's actually out called Solstice. So it's a Bayonetta Devil May Cry style action game where you play a knight and a dead spirit companion. The knight itself attacks while the spirit acts as like your counter move prompter who shoots projectiles and can summon blue and red fields so that your knight can hit blue and red enemies respectively. Gameplay itself has like fixed camera angles boss battles and enemy arenas and some stiff feeling controls it's not as flexible and as you know good as Bayonetta and Devil May Cry but I would give the developers modders some praise for having a relatively tight team to create a decent action game yeah it does look kind of cool actually yeah yeah and it's actually cheaper to buy on PC because I believe on PlayStation and Xbox it's about 70, 65 US, whereas on PC, I think it's like less than 100 RM. So I'd rather you just get the PC version because it's cheaper. <laughs> yes. Worth the money in that sense lah, than a full price kind of deal. Pirating is in my blood. Like adrenaline or stale grog. I've been in enough scraps to fill a dozen scrapbooks. I've got stories about ships, Fights, love, treasure, betrayal, and root beer. But how about one that has all of the above? My name is Guybrush Threepwood, and this is a story about the time I finally found the secret of Monkey Island. And we're going from action to adventure. We've got Return to Monkey Island, which is a throwback, which is basically a sequel to the Monkey Island games that came out, an adventure game with point and click story, comedy, and puzzles galore. So Return to Monkey Island is de definitely for the series fans, where returning players will adore the fan service and the familiar sense of warmth, you know, from the whole experience. But the game itself tries its best to make it approachable for beginners. Yes, people who are new to the game will, will get lost with all the references, but it's easy to play a lot. And it's, you know, got different difficulties, you know, to adjust your, the level of puzzles you get to approach at. And... It's, you know, it's a good throwback for fans who actually love the part one and part two of Monkey Island. Mm, so for, for people who have never played the franchise, they can, can, they can start with this? Um, no, they, can, they should actually start with the Monkey Island 1 and LeChuck's Revenge, Monkey Island 2. Then they can go and play Return to Monkey Island to get the gist of everything. 
A uh, little, little known fact is actually Ron Gilbert, the creator of Monkey Island 1 and 2, he actually came back for this because part 3 and part 4 and Tales of Monkey Island were created by different developers, not Ron Gilbert. So you could say this would be the definitive Monkey Island game for people who are really strict with their lore and whatnot. For those who want their canonical story, right? <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, just a couple more games. Valkyrie Elysium is coming out later this week. I think by the time we're done with this recording, the game should be out. So Valkyrie Elysium is an action RPG from Square Enix where you play a Valkyrie. You have to go through different levels tasked by your boss, Odin, because of the Ragnarok is coming. And you get to actually summon Einherias, who are warrior spirits, to help you in action RPG combat fighting enemies. So your Einherias can do combo attacks, whether it's range or close combat. And there's an elemental system where if you exploit an enemy's elemental weakness, you get to combo them and you get to, you know, basically get back your energy back if your combo levels are high. So it plays solid so far. I played the demo, but I can see a lot of repetition happening with this game at, in a couple of, uh, in a couple more hours. If the demo levels are the same as like the main levels as you play on through for the next 10 or 20 hours of this. The PlayStation version will be coming out on September 20... I think it's 27, 28. It's basically the next week or so by the time this recording is done. And the PC version is coming out on November 17. Think about a couple of months later. Yes. And lastly, we have a surprise indie game called Trombone Champ. It's a rhythm game where you adjust the pitch to match the line notes and bars as the song plays. Of course, the sounds that come out are trombone sounds that come out from that same, from that notation. And the songs you're playing are royalty-free and remix tunes like Scott Joplin's The Entertainer, Old Grey Mare, Ball Game, and Beethoven's Fifth. So imagine those classic songs, except with the trombone sound being played on the notes. It's, uh, yeah, it's a comedy game, that's for sure. There's actually an adventure element involving baboons, but mostly the game is getting its popularity because of the rhythm, music rhythm mechanics, where you have to adjust a pitch, you got to hit the notes and get a high score with the toots you do. It does look fun, though. I mean, in a, in a zany kind of way. Yeah, it, it, does, it, it hasn't gotten old yet. I mean, I played it a couple of days ago. Like, I've been playing a couple of hours of it. It's pretty funny. You know, just playing through some of these classic songs. Even the also sprang Zarathustra song, you know, there's also even a trumpet version of it. You know, that theme that plays in the, 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 the Stanley Kubrick movie, Space Odyssey. 2001 Space yep. Odyssey. Yes, that yeah. song. You imagine a trombone being played <laughs> on top of that theme. It's hilarious. <laughs> Especially oh. when you purposely play it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so definitely worth checking this out, right? Yes, I mean, it looks it's a very like a cheap game. game. It's good for a novelty title, but if you want to play, um, there's even some secrets in the game as well you can discover on your own. So I'm not going to say more than that, but it's it's good for its price. Let's just say that. All right. Um, what, what, what can we look forward to uh, for October? Is it going to be a busy month as well? It should be, but the only game that's on my mind for October is definitely Star Ocean, The Divine Force. I played the demo that came out recently. It's pretty fun. It's got some frame rate issues, but nothing, you know, a few patches cannot fix. The core game itself seems kind of fun. This is probably the only Star Ocean game as of late that I'm looking forward to. Like, I like part one and part two, but 
three, four, and five were pretty lacking to say the least. So it's nice to have part six to you know make to bring back what made those previous titles, those previous JRPG sequels, really good in the first place. You're tuned into GG Well Played, and that was Jonathan Leo, content director at kakuchopere.com, summarizing some of the biggest news and releases this month. Head on over to their website, kakuchopere.com, to check out more gaming news and reviews. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on pfm.my. Our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also find our podcast on Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email, ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at bfmradio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. This has been GG Well Played. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.